Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermon Podcast. Be sure to keep watching immediately after the sermon for Postscript, a weekly podcast with in-depth content and answers to your questions submitted during the sermon. You can also find it on iTunes or at faithbridge.org slash postscript. We believe Christ has called us to be a church that makes more and stronger disciples, not only right here in Northwest Houston, but as Jesus says, to the ends of the earth. Our missions ministry at FaithBridge is called The Road, and each year, hundreds of passionate students and adults serve across dozens of trips, which in our road lingo, we call journeys. These take place all throughout the year, all around the world. Teams are built up of around 12 or so, and they are sent out to serve alongside our incredible missions partners. Each trip provides a unique opportunity for growth, whether it be an adult team, one of our student journeys, a men's or women's encounter, or a family journey. The Glass family is one of the many families on the road this season. They're joining over 500 other participants as they serve as the hands and feet of Jesus. The road being churchwide has really given us a different perspective on the road. Um, our children have been participating in the road over the last few years, and so getting to kind of to experience it and to be involved in it uh, from from a participant, not just as the parent of a child uh, participating in the road, has been really cool. It was awesome to see my parents this year as a part of the road because it it had changed my life so much. And when I found out the road was doing things a little different this year and having more adult journeys and all, I was really excited and like, I was, I turned to my parents, I was like, y'all gotta go on this, y'all have to. It's life changing and it's just great to see them uh, having come back from that uh, stronger in their faith. Learning how to um, be intentional about Bible study as it relates to how we're helping, for instance, learning how to debrief as a team, learning how to grow um, in, for instance, sharing our gospel story or whatever it is. So that side of it, I think I saw it with my kids in the re- on the road in the years before, but now to get to experience that and for my husband to get to experience that, we talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus and we are. But He is there with us and His Spirit is in us and we're going out in the community and we're participating in the work He's doing. And so I think you get that on the road, you get that sense of we are on mission every time we walk out the door. It's not just when we go to this place or we go down to the food bank. We are on mission because we have the ultimate missionary, Jesus Christ, living inside of us and He's walking there with us. So that's pretty exciting to me and why I love that the road is now um, for everybody. What's really cool about the road versus going, just going to London and with no training, even with a team, if we didn't have any training beforehand or anything, and we just got thrown out on the street and said, go tell people about Jesus, it would, it would be a disaster. But with the road, having these trainings and being given all these tools to work with and strategies and just team building and all of that, it really, it really helps because without it, it wouldn't be possible. I think on Fam Jam, because it was a mix of adults and kids that were actually serving, not just leaders, we were able to learn a lot from the adults and their examples. And also, the kids on there, most of us had already been on a mission trip, so we were able to kind of like show them how to do some of the stuff. I think we grew pretty close at Fam Jam, uh, but really it was afterwards, like what we were able to take with us. Um, then we were able to take some of the stuff that we were learning there, like the armor of God and stuff, and then afterwards we 
we started growing pretty close. I think the road's special because it kind of pushes you out of your comfort zone and forces you to rely on each other and to rely on God uh, in a way that you just you wouldn't otherwise. Simply put, the road is two things. It's an invitation to go and an invitation to grow. We know that God calls us to go. The Great Commission is built into who we are as believers. But when we go, something unique and powerful happens. Not only does God work through us, He begins to work in us. On the road, we're seeing God's transformational work happening in people's lives. The lives of our partners, our adults, our students, our families. Most of all, those we go to love and to serve. All for the sake of making Jesus known in our world. So join FaithBridge as we live and serve on mission through the road. Well, amen to that. I'm so, yeah, we can clap for that. I'm so excited to be here this morning as we celebrate all that God is doing through the road. This is such a special day, a unique day, and so I'm glad that you're here. Uh, why don't you go ahead and grab a Bible? Uh, if you don't have a Bible, the ushers are coming forward in all of our rooms. You can raise your hand and they'll be happy to give you one. If you don't own a Bible and want to take one home with you today, go ahead and do that. This is our gift to you this morning. Uh, this morning we're going to be in the book of Judges, which I'm sure many of you woke up this morning and did a little pleasure reading in the book of Judges. Uh, but if you did it and you need some assistance finding it, it is the seventh book uh, of the Bible. Uh, and it is uh, towards the front on page 196 of those Faithbridge Bibles. Uh, as you're turning there, you'll look for numbers in Deuteronomy and keep going a little bit to your right. If you hit Ruth or First or Second Samuel, you can go back and you'll find Judges. As you're turning there, I will tell you that last week, Jill and I celebrated the three-year anniversary of our very first date. Yes, on May, yeah, it's exciting. On May 10th, 2014, Jill and I went on our first date. Yeah, there we are. And as you can see, a lot has changed uh, since that first date, starting with what's going on up top. Uh, the hair has changed. And not only that, now when Jill and I take a picture together, I'm not so nervous anymore. I actually am willing to, you know, put my arm around her. Uh, if you ask Jill about this picture, she's quick to tell you that she sat down first. And so that means that it's my fault this picture looks awkward because she was just mirroring what I was doing. So putting the hands in the lap, that's on me. But I'm quick to tell her, hey, I was just saving room for Jesus, Okay and possibly a Mack truck. But, uh, you know, I was thinking back on our first date and really thinking back on our relationship as a whole, and I was thinking about how it all started. And I realized it started with an invitation. You see, one night, Jill and I had gone to visit a friend in the hospital. They just had surgery, and as we were coming back from that trip, we pulled into her driveway and as we put the car in park, I turned to her and I invited her to go on a date with me. Now you have to understand, this was a pretty big deal because we had been friends for two years and I had never shown any interest at all. I'd never, you know, sent those text messages or those direct messages, as our students say, trying to initiate us going on a date. This was a new thing and I knew it was going to come as a surprise and so as I invited her to go on this date with me, I said, hey, why, why don't you take some time, you know, think about it? And what I meant by that was she'll go and do what girls do, right? She'll head into her house, 
She'll process with her roommate, and by the time I make it home to my house, make that 20-minute drive, I'll see Jill Kiesel's name popping up on my phone with a yes. But that did not happen. (laughs) Instead, not only did our relationship start with an invitation, it started with some hesitation as well. You see, Jill spent three very long days (laughs) processing thinking about it, talking to others about it, and eventually she said yes. And the rest is, as they say, history. Now the reason I tell you that this morning is because today is an invitation. Today is an invitation to be a part of what God is doing. God is moving through the road. You can hear it in the numbers that Seth shared in that video that over 500 participants are going out on over 50 journeys this year. That's incredible. God is moving. And not only can you see it in the numbers, you can see it in the lives of these students and adults as they come back home from the journeys. They experience life transformation. But what you can't see sitting in this room is the impact we make as we serve the least and the lost in Houston, in Lubbock, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, Honduras, El Salvador, Nicaragua, England, France. All throughout the world we go telling people about the love of Jesus. And there's an impact that happens. God is moving through the road. But I'm here to tell you that God is not done. In fact, I believe that God is just getting started. And I believe that God wants to invite every single one of us, those of us in Center Court West and Center Court East at our Woodlands campus, those of you joining us online, every single one of us to join him, to join him on his mission. Because God is on a mission. He's on a mission to seek and save the lost. The world is broken, and I probably don't have to tell you that. All you have to do to discover that is turn on the nightly news. But the Bible doesn't tell us that just the world is broken. It tells us that we are broken, that every single one of us has been infected by a thing called sin. In Romans 3.23, it tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It means that every one of us is infected, but the good news this morning is that God doesn't leave us there. God has the cure for sin, and it's his son, Jesus. Jesus, who came to this earth to live the life that we could not. Jesus, who died on a cross. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave three days later, conquering sin, conquering death. And he gives us an invitation to be set free from those things. But not only that, when we accept Jesus' sacrifice, he invites us to join him. To join him on the mission of reconciliation. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5. It says that God reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, 
not counting people's sins against them. And he is committed to us, the message of reconciliation. Our role in God's mission is to tell others about Jesus. It's to tell them that God is no longer counting our sins against us because of Jesus. And because of Jesus, we can have new life, new hope. We can be set free. And God is inviting us to spread that message. But here's what I know. I know that just like Jill hesitated when I invited her on, the, when invited her on that date, we hesitate when God gives us that invitation. When God invites us to join him on mission, there's something inside of us that pushes back. We hold back, we pause, we hesitate, we're reluctant. And I can understand why Jill was hesitant. I mean, did you see the hair? There's a reason that she was hesitant. But when God is inviting us, we don't need to be hesitant. You see, our response to any given invitation hinges on who's doing the inviting. And when God is doing the inviting, we know that he is faithful. We know that he is trustworthy. And we know that if he's inviting us into something, it's something we need to move towards, not away from. Today, God is extending each and every one of us an invitation. And my hope for us this morning is that we would push past our hesitation. This morning, I want us to learn from a man named Gideon. Gideon was like you and I. He received an invitation from God to join him on his mission, and he hesitated. But eventually, Gideon was able to move past this hesitation, and he was used mightily by God. So I want us to learn from him today. If you'll open up your Bibles to Judges 6, we'll start reading in verse 11. It says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joaz the Abrazite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you. Mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites. There are three things that God speaks to Gideon in the passage we just read. And if we want to push past our hesitation, if we want to jump in and join God on his mission, we have to grab hold of the three things that God spoke to Gideon. You see, the first thing that God speaks to Gideon, he goes to him and he says, the Lord is with you, mighty 
warrior. Now for us to understand the significance of what God is speaking in this moment, we have to understand the context of the passage. You see, in this passage, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, is under attack. They're under attack by the Midianites. And the Midianites aren't just attacking the nation of Israel, they're oppressing them. So much so that as they're coming on, they're wiping them out. They're moving them out of their cities. And as they do, they're destroying everything. Every crop, every field, everything is being destroyed. And so in response to this, the nation of Israel led by Gideon is fleeing. They're running for the hills, trying to escape this oppression. And the scripture gives us this small detail. It says that Gideon, when we find him, is threshing wheat in a wine press. And now I'm not an agricultural major. I studied business in college. But here's what I know. You don't make wheat in a wine press. You make wine in a wine press. You thresh wheat in a field. You need an open field with air because as you separate the wheat from the shaft, the wind blows and it moves the shaft away, leaving the wheat behind. You thresh wheat in an open field, not in a cold, dark cave. And that's where we find Gideon. He's fearful. He's afraid for his life. And he's in a cave hiding. And it's in this moment that God comes to him and he addresses him. The first thing he says to him is, mighty warrior. Why does God call him a mighty warrior? I mean, if we're honest, when we look at this passage, he's not a mighty warrior, he's a mighty chicken. But God calls him mighty warrior because in this moment, God is speaking to who Gideon will be. And God is speaking to the mission that he has for Gideon. And in this moment, Gideon responds with hesitation. Gideon pushes back. And we see what Gideon believes about himself. He doesn't believe he's a mighty warrior. He tells us in verse 15, he says, I'm the weakest in my tribe. I'm the least capable to help you accomplish this mission, God. I wonder this morning if there's any Gideons in the room. You know, maybe God has invited you on his mission and you're like Gideon, you're hesitant you shrink back because of what you believe about yourself. You shrink back because you know the man in the mirror. You think, I could never be used by God. I think a lot of times when God invites us to join him on his mission, we look a lot like Gideon. We label ourselves like he did. We say, I, I'm not qualified. I don't know enough about the Bible. I think there's some skill sets that I need to have that I don't have. We think surely God has somebody else in mind. I mean, in all the world, surely there's somebody else, someone with a better resume. I don't measure up. I know this to be true because I've seen it 
in my own life. I've seen it recently, actually, about a month ago even. I felt like God was inviting me to join him on his mission in India. You see, Pastor Dan came to me about a month ago and he asked me to join him this summer in July to head to India to train up some pastors, to equip them, pastors who are planting churches all around India. And when Dan came to me and he said, hey, would you like to go? I said, oh, Dan, (laughs) you got the wrong guy, brother. Because in my mind, I was thinking, I'm not a pastor. I'm a business administrator. I mean, if these guys need training on an Excel spreadsheet, maybe how to make a budget, then I'm most certainly your guy. But if these guys need training on how to be a pastor in a place that's facing adversity, a place like India where they're daily risking their lives, then you've got the wrong guy. I mean, surely there's someone else who's more qualified, someone who maybe has experienced this themselves, who's pastored a church. Surely there's someone else. And these are the comments coming from the guy who's preaching today. Like Gideon, I was hesitant. I was afraid to join God on his mission. But you know, as you keep reading the story, what you find is that Gideon does join God on this mission. And I think the reason he was able to move past this hesitation is because of the next two things that God speaks to him. In verse 14, God speaks the second thing to Gideon when he says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? God wants us to move forward in the strength that we have. I want you to notice that God did not put an asterisk next to this statement, go in the strength you have. When God speaks to Gideon and he says, go in the strength you have, he doesn't say, but meet me at 7 a.m. tomorrow because we're going to need to do a little bit of sword training if you're going to be a mighty warrior. He doesn't come to Gideon and say, go in the strength you have, but let's get you signed up for Battlefield 101 because Lord knows you're going to need it if you're going to lead any men into battle. God doesn't do that. He simply comes to Gideon. And he says, go in the strength you have. God's call to go in the strength you have means that God is calling you right now, as you are. God isn't inviting us to join him on mission and then saying, hey, but you need to go to seminary first and you need to read the Bible five times all the way through and you need to add a few more things to that Christian resume of yours. God is inviting us right now, as we are. Which means that if God is calling us now, that means he knows what it takes to get the job done. If he needed somebody else, he would have asked somebody else. But God is calling us right now. It's the reason that he asked Gideon and us this question. Am I not sending you? Because if God is sending you, then he can use you to accomplish his mission. And it's for that reason that I said yes to going to India. 
because I realized that this doubt that I was having, this doubt about my qualifications, my skill set, it really wasn't doubt in me at all. Truly, I was doubting God. I was doubting that God knew what was needed to accomplish this mission. I was doubting that God knew what things these pastors needed to be encouraged with. I was doubting that God had selected the right man for the job. I was being faced with the question, am I not sending you? So I said yes. And Gideon said yes as well. But I can promise you as Gideon was preparing for battle, and even as I'm preparing to go to India this summer, we are both holding on to the third thing that God speaks to Gideon. Because the third thing that God speaks to Gideon is in verse 16 when he says, I will be with you. The promise of God is that when we join him on his mission, he will be with us. And that is the greatest promise that we could ever receive. Because if God is on our side, we can accomplish far more than we ever would have accomplished on our own. We see this in Gideon's life. If you keep reading into Judges chapter seven, what you find is that as Gideon is preparing for battle, God reduces his army to 300 men. 300 men are set to take on 120,000 Midianites. 300 versus 120,000. This makes David and Goliath look like child's play. And in fact, that movie 300 about Sparta, this is the original 300 right here. 300 versus 120,000. And I bet if we could have interviewed Gideon before this battle, he would have said, you know, if we could just clear a field or two, that would be great. I mean, if we could just get out of the cave and start making wheat, threshing wheat in a field, that would be fantastic. And that's what he would have told you if he was doing it on his own strength. But God was on Gideon's side. And with God on his side, we read that Gideon doesn't just clear a field or two. They clear out the entire Midianite army, all 120,000 of them. With God walking step for step with Gideon, they accomplish the mission. And you know, as I was processing this decision to go to India, I realized the root of my hesitation was fear. It was fear. I was fearful about a couple of things. I was afraid of India. I mean, India isn't exactly next door. It's a 20-hour flight to get over there. And being 20 hours away means that I'm gone from Jill for 10 days. I'm away from my family and in a different time zone. And if we're honest, India is a little bit of a bizarre place. I mean, it's not exactly Northwest Houston. The food is different. The smell is certainly different. And not only that, the culture towards Christianity is different. I mean, though 
freedom of religion is in the Indian constitution. It's not like it's practiced on a daily basis. We see that in the news. India can be a dangerous place. And so I was fearful for my life, for my personal safety. But I I can be honest with you, the thing I was most fearful about wasn't my safety at all. I was afraid that I would be exposed, that I would get over there and these men would realize who I really am. That these pastors who are daily risking their lives, daily risking their lives and the lives of their family to share the gospel would look at me and realize that I don't really have as much faith as they do. I mean, if we're honest, I'm afraid to share the gospel because I'm afraid it's gonna risk my pride or what others might think of me. I'm afraid to talk to my friends, my family, my neighbors about the gospel. That these men would look at me and they would realize, your faith really isn't even as strong as ours. But here's the thing about fear. When we're fearful, it's because our focus is on us. I'm most afraid when I'm thinking about me and my life. But when I focus on God, my fear goes away. And God's mission has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. And what I learned is that as my focus shifts away from me and onto God, I can move forward. And not only that, when I take my attention off of me and onto God, I realize what Gideon realized and what Gideon experienced. And that is God being with me. I wonder this morning if some of you are playing it safe, if you're hesitant to join in on this mission, this mission of God because of fear, because something is holding you back. This morning is an invitation. You see, when it comes right down to it, God's mission plays out in one of two ways. It's either by people coming to us or by us going to them. And right here at Faithbridge, we have opportunities for both. Right here at Faithbridge, every single Sunday morning, people are coming to us. People are coming to us looking for the love of Christ. We've got kids, we've got students, we've got adults coming in looking to experience Jesus. And for some of us this morning, I believe that God is inviting us to join in on his mission right here at Faithbridge. That you pull into the parking lot week after week and you see the guys who are out there waving, helping you park your car, the men and the women getting you in. And you know, you know deep down inside that God's been calling you to join that team for quite some time. Or maybe it's as you walk in the doors, you see the greeters You see the hospitality team. You see an usher who, as you come in late, 
They guide you to your seat so that you can engage and worship. And you know God is putting it on your heart that I need to serve. I need to jump in and serve the people that God is bringing to me right here at Faith Bridge. I'm here to tell you that today is the day to answer that invitation. You know, I think of another opportunity where God is bringing people to us, and that's VBS. In less than a month, God is bringing 1,500 kids, 1,500 kids right here to the Klein campus. And my guess is that over the last few weeks, you've seen the announcements, you've seen the serve insert that was in your bulletin, and you know that God is putting it on your heart to sign up to serve for VBS, but you've pushed back. Some of you have said, well, you know, really, I just don't know how to engage with kids. You know, I'm not hip anymore. I don't know what's cool these days. Some of you, if you're honest, You've signed your kids up for VBS and you've thought, you know, sure would be nice to have a break, to go to Starbucks for a few hours. And you know deep down in your heart that God is calling you not just to drop off your kids, but to join in, to serve alongside them. God is inviting you today to be a part of his mission with the people he's bringing right here to Faith Bridge. For others of you though, God is inviting you to join him on his mission by going. In fact, you look in all of our rooms right now and you see the students, you see the adults that are down front and you know, man, God's been calling me for quite some time to be in that seat. I've been thinking about it for a while and I keep thinking, well, maybe next year I'll apply to go on a journey. Maybe next year I'll jump in and join, be a part of the things that God is doing. I know this is true because I just went on a men's encounter trip. About a month ago, I went to Alabama with a group of men. As we were preparing for this trip on our first team meeting, I sat down with the guys and I asked them, what did it take to get you here? Were you willing to jump right in or was there some hesitation? As I began to talk to the men in that room, every single one of them, every single one of them had a reason not to be in the seat. A couple of them said, you know, I just don't know if I can leave my family. I mean, five days is a long time to be away when I've got three little kids who are in swim team, softball, soccer. I don't want to put that burden on my spouse. A couple other guys said, well, if I'm honest, I work for commission. I'm not a salaried employee. And so if I'm not working, I'm not making money. And I'm worried, is is God gonna provide for me this month? We even had one guy who was so honest as to say, I'm just afraid of flying. And so I don't know if I wanna go on this trip. My guess is you've had the same thoughts. You've thought, I don't know if I can leave my family. I don't know if I can leave my job, if I can get away from work that long. God is inviting you now, as you are. The invitation is to join him today. And if God is putting that call on your heart, I've got good news for you. 
Today, we've got tons of information for you. If you're in Center Court East or Center Court West, you can head out in the atrium when this is over. And Seth and his team will be at a table to greet you and give you information about the road. If you're at our Woodlands campus, you can head out to the Connection Center. There's a team from the road that will meet you. We've even made it easy. If you want to serve at VBS or you want to serve on a Sunday, you can hop on the FaithBridge app right now. You can click the Sunday tab. It'll open up a connection card that you can fill out and click serve teams. And we'll get you that information. There's a link for VBS. If you don't have the FaithBridge app, you can text 797-979, the word FaithBridge, and you can download the app. God is inviting us to join him on his mission. God is inviting us to be a part of the things that he's doing here and around the world. And my hope and my prayer is that we would not hesitate, that we would not step back because God is not done. Let's pray. Well, God, I know what it feels like to be hesitant. I know what it's like to receive your invitation to join you on mission and to shrink back, to be afraid. And so, God, I'm certain that even now, as I'm praying, there are people who have fears and hesitations about joining you on the work that you've laid in front of them. But God, I pray that you would speak to their heart right now and that you would give them the boldness and the courage that is needed to answer the call. God, that they would not leave this room or whatever room they're in today without responding to your invitation. God, whatever that looks like, for some, it is to fill out that connect card and say, I'm gonna serve. I wanna serve the people that God is bringing to me. For others, it's VBS saying, I'm gonna jump in. I'm gonna love on those 1,500 kids that are coming. And still for others, it's to go. It's to walk out to the road tables and get information about the journeys that are coming up. And God, honestly, it could be none of those things. It could simply be that they need to walk next door and engage a neighbor or walk to the cubicle next to him and engage a coworker. God, whatever it is, would you give us the courage to take a step to move towards your mission? I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to Postscript. Here we hope to answer your questions and help you dig deeper into the messages and sermons at FaithBridge by talking with the teacher of the day. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Postscript. I'm Dan Slagle, the care and bridging pastor here at FaithBridge. 
And today I am with Michael Sullivan, Sully as we know him, who just preached a terrific message, Go in the Strength That You Have. It was a, a really good look at the life of Gideon and the importance of trusting God as we go into mission. Welcome, Sully. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good you, to be here. you bet. Uh, so a question which has come in that I think probably speaks for a lot of people is uh, how do you know when you're being called? Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's one thing to sit here and listen to a, a good message and, and feel that prompting in, in the moment, but when it comes down to brass tacks and you've got to make that decision, what, what are some ways you can know that you've been called? Sure. You know, I think first off, as I mentioned today, every single one of us has an invitation from God to engage in His mission. That's the Great Commission. We have all been called to jump in and join in. Um, but when it comes to some of the specifics, you know, how do you know? That's mm -hmm. kind of the question, right? And I think one very clear thing is Scripture. God's given us His Word, and when you find something in Scripture that God's prompting you to, that's probably a good indicator. I think a lot of times, even in my own life, I'm like, does God really want me to share the gospel with mm -hmm. my neighbor? Yes, that's what He tells us. He <laughs> says clear. to go and be a light, to, to go and tell. Um, that's what we're called to. You know, Does God want me to pray for this man? Yes, pray for him. I mean, you know, or does God want me to go serve a widow or somebody, an orphan? Yes, it's in Scripture. Some so things think, are just self-evident. Right. Yeah. If it's in Scripture, if it's revealed in there, move towards it. I think uh, I had a friend tell me once that I'd rather be obedient and wrong to what I see in Scripture than disobedient. Well, sure. You know, yeah. uh, take the step. Worst case scenario, you just prayed for somebody, yeah. you know, or you shared the gospel and we'll leave the rest up to God. I think when it comes down to something specific, well, example for me, how did you know that God was calling you to India? Uh, I think one of the indicators could be the opportunity. I mentioned that in the invitation, you asked me mm -hmm. to come. Uh, so here's God putting this invitation in front of me, an opportunity to go. And by the way, that's always a good sign. If I ask you to go on a mission you think trip. so. I need to, I need to jump absolutely. in and say yes. Uh, so you had invited me and like I said I was hesitant and so as I began to pray about it one of the things that I did is I just said Lord I know one surefire way to know if this is you and that's through my wife I went to the most godly woman that I know Jill and I thought if Jill's reaction is that you need to go then maybe that's a sign from the Lord um, and so that's why I pray I said Lord I want you to speak through Jill. What is her leaning on this? And so I remember one night we were at, uh, I think on the way back from dinner, and I just said, hey, uh, you know, Dan's asked me about possibly going to India for 10 days this summer. What do you think? And she was like, oh, yeah, 100%. And I was, I was thinking, you know, maybe I need to explain why I was feeling maybe this might be God. No. Sure. She was like, yeah. And, and I was expecting 10 days. You're going to be gone for 10 days. I mean, you know. I don't want you to do that. I'm, she's going to be gone for a few weeks before this trip. And, and no, she was 100%. I think you need to do this. I can That's totally great. see. And so that was one thing. Another thing when it comes to India, uh, and you know this because I've been going through it the last few weeks, is the Indian visa. Right. Not an easy process mm -hmm. to go through. It's a lot of paperwork and several steps. And they don't just hand these things out. No, I mean, they don't. you were saying... 
We've had several staff members who have wanted to go on mission to India and that door has been slammed shut. Yeah. Uh, and for me personally, I was given a 10 year visa, which is even a uh, more than the norm. I mean, some people just get a 30 day or sure. a five year and, and here I was given a 10 year. So as you joked this week, that means I have to go to India for the next 10 years. <laughs> uh, so, I, you know, there's the opportunity, there's the ask, uh, then some of these signs within, Part of it, I think, comes down to passion. Do you have a passion for yeah. the invitation? I mean, I, I think here at Faithbridge, there's a, you know, I mentioned today how you could serve in all these different areas. You could serve with kids. Uh, it could be come down to a passion thing. If you really have a passion for, say, hospitality and making people feel welcome, well, then you should probably sign up for the hospitality team. I mean, if, if God gives you an open-ended invitation, pick where you're passionate, where you have your strengths. I, I think that's a, a good thing. So that's how I would answer the question. Great, great answer. Now, uh, considering uh, how these things are confirmed, uh, are there any trips left? Uh, we had 500 plus people sure. commissioned today. Mm -hmm. uh, I know it's unbelievable, but that did not take up all the spots. Mm -hmm. What, what, what is, remains? Yeah, talking to Seth this week, he said that there's 28 spots still available this fall that people can jump in and, okay. and join the road. Uh, I know specifically, uh, of a few. We've got our women's encounter trip, which is leaving. Actually, all of these trips are in October, but the women's encounter uh, goes to Atlanta. Uh, they serve with a ministry called uh, Rattle. Rattle, yep. Restoration Atlanta. And what they get, it's a really cool ministry, but basically uh, they're serving at a, a homeless shelter with some people who are getting back on their feet. Uh, just a, a really cool ministry for those women to partner uh, with down in Atlanta, or I guess over in Atlanta. Um, for the men, we have our men's encounter trip. That's a trip that I just went on. Mm -hmm. uh, that goes to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We work with a uh, guy named Gary, and Gary is an amazing man. He has a ministry out of a box truck. I mean, essentially, he has this truck that has every tool that you could ever imagine mm -hmm. ready to go to serve families who need construction projects. And so uh, when I went, uh, we were building a wheelchair ramp for a lady who uh, had become disabled while at her house and uh, it was uh, up on some stilts and so she needed a ramp to literally be able to get out of her house. She'd been in her house with stairs and they would have to either carry her down the wow. stairs or if she was able to do that. And so we built a wheelchair ramp so that now she's able to go get therapy. Cool. Uh, so there's different construction projects you do with Gary and a little perk being out in Alabama. Uh, we tossed in the chance to play a little golf on the Robert Trent Jones okay. Trail. So that was uh, a definite, uh, I guess, motivator for some that went on the trip, or at least a cherry on top of the work we get to do. Uh, finally, we have an overseas trip to London uh, to work with a ministry called K-180. Mm -hmm. uh, K-180 is doing evangelism on the streets of London, yep. a really cool ministry. Our very own Jason Connor. Uh, who was on staff here for a number of years. He and his wife, Hannah, have just joined their team. Yeah. And really, and I know Georgia got to go on that trip. Yes, she did. Uh, Dan's daughter, Georgia, last year. Uh, and just an amazing ministry, seeing all kinds of people coming to know the Lord through street evangelism. Mm -hmm. So uh, definitely, I would say that is a, a faith builder kind of trip. I mean, going out uh, and getting on a box in the middle of London and sharing the gospel is a big step, but it's definitely one uh, that is exciting and a, a cool opportunity uh, for Faith Bridgers to join in with. So those are the three. Uh, any of the information that we talked about, if you want cost and dates of those trips, you can hop on the Faith Bridge website, 
faithbridge.org slash the road or even on the Faithbridge app we mentioned today so they can get on there and find it. Okay. Well, those all sound like terrific opportunities. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sure folks will be signing up quickly. Mm -hmm. Hey, great message. Thanks. Thanks again. That'll do it for us today. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time on Postscript. Thanks for joining us for Postscript. Help us keep the podcast interactive by submitting your questions during the morning services. Learn more at faithbridge.org slash postscript.